The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. And today we will talk with Mike Pratt. We will visit with Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated and Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald Leader, who does the next Cats recruiting page, among other tasks. So let's jump right into the Wildcat news of the day, presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. And if you go to Giuseppe'sLexington.com, you can see the fantastic menu that they have. And you can also order gift cards online. Giuseppe's will mail them out for you. And you can just take a look at uh, the best way to make a reservation or place an online order. They've got the new drive-up window. They've got that climate-controlled patio that they added last year to uh, create some more space during the pandemic. So lots to like at Giuseppe's Lexington. We will start with the NFL kicking off tonight it's dallas at tampa bay and there will be a kentucky flavor of course mike edwards on the super bowl champion bucks and you've got quentin bohanna who i'm guessing will be starting for dallas on the nose and kelvin joseph aka boss man fat who is in a picture that's getting talked about a lot this week there was a play where he ended up uh, on the sidelines knocked out of bounds out in Missouri last year, and you see a crowd of Missouri players just taunting him. And um, there's a—I don't know who captured the picture, uh, but anyway, I think it's up in the UK facility. And been several questions about it this week in media sessions. So Kelvin um, Joseph is uh, still with us in that context for the Wildcats. Yesterday, Brad White talked to the media from the defensive perspective. A couple of things that he mentioned. He wants the defense to start faster. Wasn't happy that they gave up a touchdown on that first drive, which included a couple of third down conversions and a couple of penalties against the defense. And the other thing is, wants to force uh, turnovers. They didn't get any takeaways on Saturday. They uh, tied for the league lead last year, and he remembered that they didn't have any takeaways against Missouri. He said he thought they came out flat last year and picked it up as the day went along. Yeah, that was. Uh, we'll get into a lot more of this uh, tomorrow on the the uh, Friday preview. But it's the week after the Tennessee game, so you would think there would be a lot of uh, positive emotion, and there was. But it was also uh, John Schlarman was was nearing the end of uh, his uh, fight with cancer, and uh, he it was the first trip he wasn't able to make with them. So there was the uh, impact of that certainly that weighed heavily on the minds of the players. Uh, reports say that John Calipari will start his in-home recruiting visits today with Derek Lively, having just secured a commitment from Shaden Sharp on Tuesday night. And if Kentucky can also land the seven-footer Lively, the uh, Cats would be well on their way to having a another top-rated recruiting class and uh, one of Calipari's uh, best in his tenure at Kentucky. We'll get into more of that when uh, Ben Roberts joins us later on the show. And by the way, you can see links to all the stories that we talk about each day on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. There's a Herald Leader Report 
on the student student conduct records that the paper was able to uh, obtain from UK involving that uh, March 6th incident at a fraternity party in which uh, criminal charges uh, which led to criminal charges being filed against six Kentucky football players uh, the Herald Leader report uh, citing the student conduct review says quote the use of racial slurs and alcohol played a significant role in the escalation of the incident uh, the story says there were 10 people charged with student conduct violations out of that incident. Uh, the story says there were, uh, so, quote, some of those who were allegedly hit were females. Um, there were uh, conflicting reports about uh, a, a gun being involved, and they, uh, the student uh, conduct, I think this had come out earlier, uh, review board couldn't uh, make a clear determination on whether or not that was true. So we come back to waiting for the next step in the legal process. Uh, links, again, to the stories that we talk about each day, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. When we come back, Mike Pratt will join the program. And this is the Leach Report Radio Network, coming to you as a service of Wild Eggs Lexington, Hamburg, and in Palomar. We'll be back out at the Hamburg location. The Monday Morning Quarterback Show coming up on Monday with Freddie Mac. We'll be right back. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Thursday edition of the Leach Report, and we are not having any luck on Mr. Pratt at the moment, so we will uh, keep trying. In the meantime, we'll see if we can move uh, Justin Rowland up in the batting order for uh, today's show. Ben Roberts will join us a little later uh, to talk about the Shaden Sharp commitment for Kentucky and a little bit about what Coach Cal will be doing as he gets set to do some in-home visits starting today with Derek Lively. Uh, so let's... Uh, a positive mojo for Kentucky basketball uh, coming off a, a very disappointing season, but uh, a lot of positive developments really ever since that season ended from the transfer portal on through to uh, current recruiting trends for Kentucky basketball. Um, let's go to the drinksword.com hotline. Justin Rowland's going to join us from catsillustrated.com. Uh, let's start with the game one performance against ULM. Justin, I know that uh, you've done a post about going back and watching the, the tape a uh, second time, maybe more. What were some of your takeaways when you rewatched it? They did, uh, they did what you would expect a good team to do against a bad team. And, you know, I just think Levis had, a, aside from the four sacks, the other throws, he had a lot of time to throw. And the receivers did a good job of getting open. Liam Cohen, I thought it was a great debut for him. It was a very interesting offense. I thought they schemed a lot of guys open. And it's just totally a wholesale change from the offense of last season. Uh, but we're going to really learn where they're at this weekend because ULM is one of the worst teams in the country, and I'm eager to see how they fare against an SEC team. Yeah, as am I, because um, it's there's a lot, if you're a Kentucky fan, to be optimistic about, but this will be a, a very solid test, even though, as I think you've noted from listening to Coach Drinkowitz this week, you wonder if Missouri will even show up. He sounds like Terry Bowden, yeah. <laughs> or Lou Holtz. He doesn't want guys to get hurt. 
Um, yeah, uh, Drew Brees is a, is a smart coach. He sounds like somebody who's really confident in himself, but he doesn't sound confident about this game. And if you watch Missouri against Central Michigan, you understand why. I mean, they really struggled. It was it was a tight game. They had to gut everything out. Central Michigan is better than ULM. They're a lot. They'd probably be seventeen point favorites on a neutral field, but. Missouri did not do to them what an SEC team would want to do to a MAC team. What was your uh, take on Will Levis's Week One showing? I mean, he's an upgrade on the basis of the deep ball alone. You know, he looks like an elite deep ball thrower. I thought the most impressive thing that he did was after that first interception, which was kind of his fault, kind of not. He came back out and had a great next series. He got him with a hard count. Uh, to draw a flag, to extend the drive on third down. He, he looked off Chris Rodriguez in the flat and made a really nice throw to Josh Ali for another first down. And he was in real real command of the offense. And he looks like a guy who's very comfortable leading that huddle. I felt like you know he was going to be empowered coming to Kentucky where he knows how the staff feels about him. And, and I just thought he, he, the, the most impressive thing was he looked really comfortable. He looked like he had intangibles. He wasn't just a big arm. You uh, talked about some of the the things you saw schematically that Kentucky did in the passing game. It's a significant step up in terms of the complexity or sophistication of the passing game, right? Yeah. I mean, the motion before the snap was really interesting to see. Chris Rodriguez was split out and he motioned into the backfield. I really like what they did with Michael Drennan. You know, constantly motioning around the backfield and running routes, and I thought he ran hard when he was in the game, even if he's playing because of the depth issue now with Juton out. Um, you know, what they did with the tight ends. You know, those guys, Rig, Bates, Cummings, are very different players, and you can tell it's kind of scaled back for Cummings, but the way that they used those guys in different formations and, and with movement and even employing, like, trips in an empty backfield at times, I mean, yeah, the defense was struggling to keep up with assignments, and that's you know, that's a big part of the chess match that Kentucky really hadn't been doing as much of in recent years. This was, uh, in many cases, easy for them to to run their offense in this against this opponent. Um, eager, I'm eager to see uh, how the what the expansion of the playbook looks like and the game plan looks like here in Week Two against a much stiffer defense. Yeah, how much did they hold back? I'm not sure, but I, there's a lot that they haven't shown. You know, just because that was only one game. And uh, I, I'm interested. I think they wanted to get the confidence up in the passing game, in the vertical game, and to show enough off that you give them a lot to prepare for. But, I mean, I think Drinkwitz is right. The big concern for Missouri this weekend is, is Kentucky going to be able to line up and just run the ball down their throats? And that's where they want the passing game to come from anyways. You know, if they have to put eight men in the box to, to commit to stopping Chris Rodriguez... He had a solid game, wasn't his best game, but um, if they have to do that, then Levis is just going to beat him over the top. Kentucky finally has a quarterback that can do that, so that's a, that's a big difference. Yeah, the uh, the running game will be an interesting thing to watch this week because um, you know Kentucky's running numbers figure to go down if if only because the passing numbers go up, but um, if they you know don't. Uh, run it as effectively as they they want to and uh force missouri into you know doing some of those things you know using the running game to force missouri's hand defensively then that'll start to become a little bit of a thing that was always one of the questions coming into the year that didn't get talked about probably enough but you know would kentucky uh lose any edge off its running game by expanding the passing game and that's just you know 
part of being balanced is being able to, to manage that. Yeah, there's a scarcity of time and things that you can do in practice. And so the things that you emphasize in practice are going to be the things that you're good at. And so there's give and take always. But I just feel like the offensive line had a solid game, but there was enough there for the staff to challenge them and say, look, you guys really need to take over this week. And I think that's going to be the emphasis. And I just think Kentucky's offensive line has more talent than Missouri's defensive line. And with them being challenged and them – having a higher bar they're striving towards this week. Uh, and I thought Chris Rodriguez, he did some really nice things. He showed off his hands more than he ever has. You know, I liked uh, the way he blocked. He has really good protection on one of Levis's touchdown throws. Um, but he can improve on the cutbacks in the wide zone scheme, too. And I just feel like that, that – I guess I kind of feel like Missouri's heading into a buzzsaw. But, you know, we're going to see. We'll get into that when we come right back. Justin Rollins with us, catsillustrated.com, at Roland Rivals on Twitter. He joins us on the drinksword.com hotline here on the Leach Report. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Back with Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. And you uh, were talking about, uh, I think on Twitter, I saw Kentucky and Missouri's developed into a little bit of a spicy rivalry, right? Yeah. And, you know, they, it's kind of the same logic directed at one another. You know, Kentucky feels like they need to beat Missouri to be where they want to be in the SEC East pecking order, which is, I guess, a dark horse. Um, and in a good year, maybe give Florida and Georgia a game. And Missouri is, is in exactly the same spot. And, you know, they have their roadmap with Gary Pinkle, and now they're recruiting in a way that's very similar to the way Stoops has at Kentucky. So, so yeah, I mean, they're both in states with talent, increasing amount of talent, but they still rely on out-of-state talent, and geographically they're closer than a lot of other schools are to, to these two. Uh, and so, yeah, I, th- I think it's turned into a really, really good, fun game. This game's been circled by a lot of Kentucky fans for a long time just because of how um, the perceived importance that it ha- could have to the overall season because Florida's coming with a new quarterback, so they could uh, have a fall off, a bit of a fall-off. Um, Georgia looks very talented, but their offense certainly didn't set the world on fire in the opener, albeit against Clemson. So there's you know an, an opportunity potentially for somebody in the tier two to try to move into tier one if you will and it's the winner of this game that's going to be in a position to make that case right yeah absolutely and you know georgia is definitely the odds on favor to win the east i mean if you just on the base of that defense alone that's, that's that's the most elite unit in the east division but they're what they didn't do anything against clemson that made me think that they're beyond stubbing their toe Right. Somewhere. And if they stub their toe in the wrong game, like when they threw three picks against South Carolina a couple of years ago in a pretty shocking loss, um, Georgia still does that. Alabama doesn't. Then, you know, you can sneak into the SEC title game. And Drinkwitz pointed out how rare it is for a team in the East to go into the, to the conference championship game undefeated. So there's a little bit of margin for error. And uh, if Kentucky's 4-0 and when Florida goes to Lexington, then it'll start to get interesting. Uh, the... Uh rivalry aspect of this um i think on the missouri side probably comes from uh, a game that they felt uh, probably felt was taken from them uh in 2018 that kentucky won at the buzzer uh 
Kentucky uh, last year, at least listening to Stoops on Monday, wasn't so much that there's a revenge or a payback angle to him. He just sounded really ticked off that his team uh, was flat, didn't show up, whatever phrase you want to use in that game. And I suspect that will uh, get mentioned a lot to his players this week. Yeah, Stoops really seems to take it the physicality angle personally. He likes Mm -hmm. it when his team plays physical, and he seems to be really upset when they don't play physical. And they were just kind of manhandled. I mean, they weren't really blown off the ball like you like you would a group of five school, but they lost every facet of the game last year, and it was just a very flat performance. And for Missouri, the frustration was, you know, they had won two SEC East titles and felt like they were probably becoming established as one of the, the league's better programs, and then you lose five in a row to Kentucky. And that's, you know, just being frank, that's a big reality check from where they thought they were. And uh, and so yeah, I, I, and Drinkwitz now is recruiting very well, so I expect this will be a really good game for years to come. So you uh, tweeting a little bit about uh, attendance, and it uh, Stoops certainly put out the, the call this week for uh, to try to fill up Kroger Field, and as I'm guessing it'll be considerably more full than it was for the opener. But uh, I tend to, I think you agree with me that uh, we're to a point in, in sports where. You know, when when I was growing up, it was you just you just needed an opportunity to get to go to a Kentucky game. I think now, uh, and this is not just at Kentucky; it's it's kind of across the board in uh, sports. You need a uh, a reason, so it's got to be a good game and the right time and good weather and all of that, as opposed to just the opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a national thing, and you know, Nebraska. I thought they would never struggle to sell out games, and some of it's the losing, but they just have a culture of always being there. You've got rich donors that are buying up tickets for underprivileged kids to go to the game, so the stadium won't be won't be uh, pretty empty. Um, you've got Oklahoma, or a lot of empty seats in Oklahoma. So even the, the most culturally plugged in college football fan bases with reputations for always being there. You know, if that's a struggle there, there were 10,000 tickets available to the Ohio State and Oregon game. I mean, this is not just a Kentucky thing. This is a, a nationwide thing. And so I just felt it's going to be loud either way. I understand they want to sell tickets. They want to give the players a packed stadium. But, but it's going to be a great atmosphere one way or another. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Thank you, Justin. Thanks a lot. Justin joins us on the DrinkSword.com hotline here on the Leach Report. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. They've got... Uh, Heated patio seatings when it's a little cool on a fall morning that you can check out in Palomar and in Hamburg. And when you can't get there, they've had a lot of luck uh, during the pandemic with DoorDash and ordering online. So go to wildeggs.com, take advantage of that. We'll be right back on the Leach Report. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. From the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, it's the second half of the Leach Report for Thursday. And that uh, Eagles tune means that Mike Pratt is joining the program. It is at MikePratt22 on Twitter. He joins us on the DrinkSword.com hotline. We tried to catch him a little bit earlier in the show, and I think what the problem was is he was too busy counting his winnings from that trip to Kentucky Downs yesterday. Right? Uh, I wish I was busy <laughs> counting my winnings. I'm sitting here looking at Dan Issel, who walked out with money just flowing out of his pocket. <laughs> well, you know where to find it then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going, I was coming behind him, picking up the money, just kind of floated out of his pocket. <laughs> 
uh, some great racing down there. They've got uh, they race today and then a big card on Saturday and Sunday to finish up. Um, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I was I went down there two years ago for the first time. Yeah, it's a, it's really a neat place, and uh, they've got um, you know I mean you you can see about anything you want down there from people in halter tops to people dressed up. Um, people, I, I did see somebody with a sport coat on. Um, but I mean, it's, it's pretty neat. And they're building a hotel right down there by between the, uh, one arm bandit place and, uh, the racetrack. So they're going to have a hotel right there. They'll, they'll make a party out of this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice golf course there. Kenny Perry's golf course, not too far away. Yeah. In, uh, yeah it Franklin. Is. It is. Yeah. Uh, let's, and some nice courses up at Bowling Green we should mention too. Uh, played one of them with, uh, our Old dear South. late friend, Wes Strader several years ago. Old South. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the football game. What'd you uh, like about what you saw last week? Well, I, you know, I just, I expected them, um, to, to, you know, run a rough shot, but I like their aggressiveness. I liked the way they took it to them. They passed the ball right from the start. Then they ran, had a nice mix and Rodriguez got over a hundred and, uh, uh, Levis got his. So, I mean, I thought it was very impressive, um, given the fact that we have seen some opening games been less than impressive against similar competition. Yeah, that was uh, just an as-expected kind of win, but those can be uh, useful as well. Now this is the big one, though, because um, if you get this one, then everybody envisions 4-0 heading into that matchup with Florida in a little less than a month, and uh, this creates a, a lot of positive momentum if you get this one and look good doing it. Yeah, and I thought the, that's a good point. I thought they looked good uh, scoring at will against um, uh, Monroe. I, I thought that was that was good. That was that was very what, uh, tasty, you know, to watch them do that. And um, so uh, I don't I don't care how they or how they um, win the game against Mizzou. Let's just win it and move on. Uh-huh. And, Absolutely. Uh, Get it, get that under our belt. But uh, we'll see. Uh, Mizzou's a good team. Uh, they be, they beat a pretty decent uh, Central Michigan team last weekend. And uh, I was reading about their defense. They got a couple really good linebackers, and one of them had I think two sacks against Central Michigan. And of course, they had the quarterback that played against us last year, and he uh, they just kicked our buns last year. So hopefully, we'll have some revenge. Some guys will have short memories. Uh, or long memories uh, going into the game about what happened last year. Cal just landed a uh, big-time commitment and uh, is starting to do in-home visits today with uh, trying to finish out this recruiting class. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him much since the end of last season, but just uh, if so, wonder what your read is from knowing him for a long time, you know, coming off the the season that he had and when he talked to the media this week you know he said he's not looking back and that's you know no rear view mirror and all that that stuff but you know a guy that's that competitive it uh it it drives him it motivates him it does and you could tell his uh, uh at the end of the season his frustration his unhappiness and uh, when he came out <laughs> and i knew he was going down the right track tom when he came out and said post uh season look it's it's my fault I shouldn't have done this, done that. And he took full responsibility. And at that point in time, I knew that he had made up his mind that he was going to come back uh, harder than ever. And I think that was just the start, what we, we heard him say. And then he made his coaching changes. And then um, I think that uh, 
he feels pretty good. He got the right guys uh, from the transfer portal. So I think he's he's got some juice in him now that maybe uh, – that no, I know he did have last year. That was a horrible year for any coach, and let alone somebody as competitive as Calipari. So I think he's on the right track, and I think um, this team will be very interesting um, because it, it can do some things that last year's team couldn't do, starting with shoot the ball. And that could make a huge difference. You mentioned getting the right guys from the transfer portal, and Stoops seemingly did the same in football. Uh, how is it different, if at all, in evaluating recruits as you know freshman recruits as opposed to evaluating transfers? Well, I think it's harder projecting a, a high school kid than a transfer. Uh, I think first of all, with the transfer, you you, you know who who they're playing for, you know the type of uh, defense, offense, uh, the culture, you know all that. Now you've got to make a decision on whether the young fella can uh, can elevate his game from wherever he came to to your level. Uh, but you have a track record, Tom, just like the horses. you got a track record. But with a high school kid, you, you don't really know. I mean, yeah, he played really well in high school, but, you know, that's that's not um, the uh, Derby or the Oaks, okay? Yeah. So – uh, I think it's I think it's easier to do your homework and project with a transfer because they've got a track record. Now, that doesn't mean all of them will work out well for you. There's always there's always a bump in the road. But um, high school kids, you're going to have to have a nice blend of high school kids and transfers as you go forward. Returning players, I think I like his blend of the returning players, the transfers, and a couple of young kids. I like that blend. If he can keep that up, I think he'll be just fine in this changing world of college basketball. Mike Pratt, we will let you go. Uh, Best of luck to your Browns this weekend. And uh, best of luck to our Cats, right? Yes. You can get two wins this weekend. Two football Uh, wins. I would like it. I would like it. (laughs) Thank you, Mike. It's at MikePratt22 on Twitter. He joins us on Thursdays here on the Leach Report. Courtesy of the folks at Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. We will come right back with Ben Roberts from the Herald-Leader. We'll talk about the Shaden Sharp commitment and what John Calipari has on his travel agenda for this week when we return. It's the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter, at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. 16 away from the top of the hour to the drinksword.com hotline we go to bring on Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald Leader to uh, talk a little basketball recruiting and the uh, commitment with, of Shaden Sharp is where we will start. He pledged to Kentucky on Tuesday over some other schools and some pro opportunities. And uh, Ben, this is a guy you uh, wrote about on the Next Cats recruiting page at KentuckySports.com with uh, a, a tremendous upside still to tap into, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who, um, you know, he's, he's ascended to that number one ranking, according to pretty much everybody who's updated their rankings uh, since the summer. And he is a guy that still has a lot of upside, but he's also a guy who has shown the production right now. He's not, um, you know, he, he doesn't look like one of these players who, you know, this number one ranking is predicated mostly on upside and potential uh while there is still plenty of that, he's a guy that, that these analysts are expecting to come in and, and make a major impact right away uh, for obviously a, a team that's going to have Final Four aspirations. So it's kind of the kind of the best of both worlds uh, as far as uh, getting getting a top recruit, big time scorer, but not a one trick pony, right? 
Yeah, no, he's, um, you know, a year ago, he was known basically just for his athleticism, and the potential was obviously there, and, and uh, a lot of people were really intrigued by what he could become, and just over the course of the the past year and a half or so, he's he's just really developed uh, from a skill set, uh, from from a shooting standpoint, um, has the tools to, to become a, a really plus defender at the next level. So, yeah, he's a guy who can affect the games in a lot of ways and also a guy who I think, I mean, it looks like Cal's going to have quite a few really talented guards on next season's team, um, and he's a guy who can can really adapt and blend in with, with several different combinations, whether, I mean, you could you could play him some on the one, on the ball if you needed to, and, and you could play him as a three, as that kind of size and athleticism. If... Memphis had not hired Penny Hardaway when they did. James Wiseman would have been a wildcat. Um, if Oklahoma State had not hired Kate Cunningham's brother, it's a good chance he would have been a wildcat. And but because those things didn't happen, uh, there, there's uh, been a, a little perception, I guess, that uh, Cal lost a step on the recruiting trail. Would that be correct? The terms just of what a perception was out there. Yeah, I think that's definitely the perception. And, I mean, even going back a little further, guys like R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson um, and, you know, several other players over the past four or five years that while he's while he's said Tuesday and he's right that he that he's still getting the number one or two class uh, pretty much every year, um, those big, big top five recruits that he was getting with regularity his first few seasons here, uh, he hasn't been getting. Um, and now it looks like moving forward, he's going to be getting those guys again. Yeah, and now he uh, is looking to finish out this class. He's got Sky Clark, Shaden Sharp committed. And uh, your latest story up on the Next Cats page at KentuckySports.com talks about his uh, travel schedule, essentially, for this week when they can start in-home visits. Um, Derek Lively, I mentioned earlier, he's seeing a, a, reportedly today. Uh, Kaysen Wallace, Chris Livingston, Adem Bona, you say, are all on his list. Uh, is it possible he could land them all? I think it is. Uh, you know, I, I think at this point it would be a surprise if Chris Livingston or uh, Kaysen Wallace ended up anywhere else, especially Kaysen. I, it, I mean, it sounds like he's definitely going to be a, a wildcat. So then you got Lively and Bona, and that's where it kind of gets interesting because um, – you know, it's always difficult to successfully recruit guys at the same or similar positions in a class, especially when they're that good. Uh, you usually see those guys split up and go elsewhere. And it's clear that Derek Lively's been the number one target for, for a long time now in the front court. And that Dim Bone is also a really good player who they've extended a scholarship offer to. And I think they want to add both. And I think there's a belief out there that they can add both. They just need to, to kind of convince everybody involved that, that uh, you know, both can, can play major roles uh, here. And, you know, if I were Cal, I'd be pointing to that 38-1 team that, that had Willie Colley-Stein, Carl Anthony Towns, and Dakari Johnson all playing major minutes and major roles and, and almost having, uh, you know, maybe the greatest season in college basketball history. So, I, yeah, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if, if all six of those guys ended up in Kentucky's class. Talk with uh, Ben Roberts of the Lexington Herald Leader. It's at Ben Roberts HL on Twitter. Uh, we'll get to a break here and come back with one more segment with Ben before we close out this Thursday edition of the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. Back with Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald Leader. 
the Knicks Cats page at uh, KentuckySports.com. I think it's going to be really interesting when, uh, whenever Cal's time at Kentucky is done and uh, you're, you're writing the, the book on it. Maybe you'll be writing that book. Who knows, Ben? But, uh, you know, this, this year, how, um, how impactful it is because it starts with coming off his worst season. Uh, not just here, but just as a as a coach in a long time. Then you've got uh, all the transfers that come in, and the transfer portal changes. And then you've got uh, NIL, and uh, then you've got now a, you know a couple of coaching staff changes, and potentially his best recruiting class since uh, the first part of his tenure here. And uh, how all of this, you know, five years from now we look back, how impactful this this one calendar year is i think will be interesting yeah i mean i i think at least right now it looks to be kind of a a reset or a reboot of of his entire program and and i think you know given some of the disappointments of the last uh, few seasons uh, some of the near misses and some of the teams that didn't quite come together and then uh, and of course what happened this past season um i think like if john calipari were if he had left kentucky this offseason i know there's a sizable portion of the fan base that that would have had mixed feelings of, about his tenure despite all of the success that he's had um not just in those first few years but but throughout his tenure and and i think yeah now now say he stays five more years um what do these next five years look like and and how might that affect his legacy at least in the short term uh in the eyes of kentucky fans i, I think in the long term once everybody takes a step back and looks at it they're going to see what a great body of work this is, uh, you know, no matter how it ends here. But um, I, I really do think this can kind of revitalize, uh, you know, not only the program, but but the fan base and, and their outlook on it. Back to those uh, four players that are on the, the visit list for this week. Uh, you said Livingston and Wallace, you'd think uh, you'd be surprised if they don't end up committing to Kentucky. Is Lively, uh, what, what's the competition like there, and, and how tough is that battle going to be? I think it's Duke. You know, he's he's got seven schools on his list, um, and I know Michigan and Penn State are supposed to be in there uh, this weekend. And his mom uh, was a great Penn State basketball player um, in her college days and, and is actually an employee of the athletics department right now. Uh, but just from talking to her, I don't really think that's going to have that big of an effect on, on Derek's recruitment. Um, and she was just – they were both, it sounds like, just blown away by the Kentucky visit and, and what Calipari was saying and – and just the whole, I mean, she, she just was effusive in her praise for, for the city of Lexington and the campus and everything. Um, so I, I really think it's going to come down to Kentucky and Duke. And, you know, as we've seen in the past, those recruitments can go either way. Uh, obviously, John Shire is going to be the new coach down there. So that's going to be a little different pitch and a little different look from their end. Uh, but, but yeah, I think it comes down to those two. And I think these in-home visits will be important. And I wouldn't be surprised if Derek takes some more um, on-campus visits before he's ready to make a decision, which which I expect will come probably around November. What were the most interesting things that uh, you gleaned from Cal's media sessions this week? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think uh, I think it's clear, and not just from the media session, but just from kind of what you're hearing, uh, you, you know, so far this off season that that he's really. Energized, he seems really energized by this team and and um, getting some veterans in there and getting some guys. You know, it, it's such an interesting blend of 
both veterans who have been here before, like like Davion and Keon, who know how the program works and know what Cal means when he says certain things, and then veterans from other programs that can always you know add a little bit more to their new teammates and and are coming in with you know with with more basketball knowledge, and then you've still got some of those younger players and especially some of those really talented freshmen. So just from what I'm hearing and from kind of reading between the lines of, of what he said Tuesday. It just seems like he's really looking forward to, to getting this team on the court and, uh, you know, getting getting these guys to continue to mix together and, and learn off each other. And uh, I think especially compared to some of these past teams that have been all freshmen, all younger players, uh, I think it might – I'm not going to say it's going to make it an easier job for him because it's always difficult, but I, I think it might be a little bit more fun for him this season. Yeah, I think you're right about that, and I think he can uh, teach a little differently. In other words, it's he can start uh, further down the the spectrum of things he has to get installed because a lot exactly. of these guys already I mean, know it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've led us into some of the early practices in the past, and even that 38 and one team. I mean, they were doing stuff out there that you're like, guys, like you should know that. Like you should know this when you walk in a high school gym when you're when yeah. a high school freshman. You should know some of these things. And Cal stopping practice, and, and you could tell he's just like, you know, how do you not know this? And uh, yeah, when you get a bunch of seniors and a bunch of guys that've been around the block a few times, um, you don't have to stop those practices. Uh, you, you know, you, you can let them play and, and and let the younger guys learn off the older guys. And, and I think, and 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 just yeah, from seeing and hearing about some of the teams that have been able to do that, I, I think he really really enjoys um, when he can do that and get a little bit further along early on in the season. Good stuff from Ben Roberts. You can read more at the Next Cats recruiting page at KentuckySports.com and the Lexington Herald-Leader. Thank you, Ben. Yep, thanks, so. He joins us on the DrinkSword.com hotline. Make sure you check out their newest product, which is Shield to hydrate better and faster. Some bold fruit flavors, too. Got an orange bottle of uh, Shield sitting here on the desk right now to uh, work through the show each day. Let's get to uh, Friday's show tomorrow. That'll be Football Friday. And we will talk with uh, Mike Kelly, who's the radio voice of the Mizzou Tigers. Charles Walker will be here to break down the matchup. Larry Vaught will join us tomorrow. So make sure you do, too, here on the Leach Report Radio Network. By the way, this day in U.K. history, Kentucky beat Indiana in 89-17-14. Goal line stand led by Joey Couch. We'll see you tomorrow. TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page.